Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church Podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. Well, welcome again to our Christmas Eve worship gathering here at Hillside Church. If you missed it earlier, uh, my name is Brad, and I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here. And tonight I want to do something a little bit different for our time together as we, as we spend time in the Word for Christmas. I'm not going to focus on the Christmas story tonight. Um, we've already heard and watched Luke 2 and the story of Jesus' birth through the videos But tonight, I want to talk to you less about the how of Christmas, you know, less about the shepherds and the angels and the wise men and the star and kind of all of those kinds of things. But I want to talk to you less about the how of Christmas and more about the who of Christmas. See, see, Christmas isn't special simply because of how it happened. The story of Christmas is an amazing story, and there's so many parts of that story that are incredible, they're wonderful, and and they're, they're great to focus on, but what makes the Christmas story so special is not that a baby was born under all of these miraculous circumstances. What makes the Christmas story so special is who that baby was that was born under all of these miraculous circumstances. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to take a look at who God said he was sending, who who God told the people, this is who's coming. A couple of years ago, before the start of the school year, um, our our oldest son, Owen, his teacher sent us an, an email and just said, hey, can you, in a couple of sentences, describe Owen to me? What do I need to know about Owen? And, and say it in a couple of sentences. And for all of us, that, that's really hard to do. Th- think about your, your husband or your wife, or think about your kids, or think about your parents, and, and think about all that you would need to say to try and tell somebody all about them but you've only got a couple of sentences to do it. That I want to tell you how amazing my kid is, how smart he is, how kind he is, how generous he is, how complicated he is, how moody he is, how diff, you know, that, that there's so many things that you want to say, but you have to boil it down. And tonight we're going we're gonna to read a passage where, where God does that, where God boils his son down into just a couple of sentences. And so if you'd like to join me, you can join me in Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah is an Old Testament prophet book. And so actually, if if you're looking in your Bible and you just kind of open your Bible to the middle, if you kind of just look for the middle, Isaiah is right about in the middle of your Bible. And so if you'd like to join me there, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 9. Now, a couple of chapters earlier in Isaiah chapter 7, God actually begins to speak through this man named Isaiah and tells him about his son. And what he begins by telling them is that his son is going to be coming and he's going to be representative of God's presence. That God's presence would be represented by his son. That in fact his son's name would be Emmanuel, 
which would mean God with us. And so we get this picture that the coming of Jesus represents the presence of God. But then two chapters later, in Isaiah chapter 9, we find God doing his best to describe to the people who his son is going to be. And so we read, in starting in verse 6, that it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. God gives these words to, to Isaiah to speak 700 years before Jesus is born, and he gives them centuries before Jesus comes. This is who Jesus is going to be. He's going to be your wonderful counselor, your mighty God, your everlasting father, your prince of peace. And so for, to, for tonight, I want to talk about the who of Christmas. I want to talk about who it is that makes Christmas so special. I want to talk about this child that's given, this, this son that's given to us. And we're going to look at who God says Jesus is. And what we're going to discover is that they're more than just names given. Years ago... Um, when I was a much younger man, um, I, and I was a part of our church's young adults group, and they did this thing where, where they, they did um, the, everybody's name meaning. And, 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 and so they handed out these cards, with these really fancy cards with everybody's name meaning. And all of my friends had these names, and they were like, God soldier, and like, blessed be God, and all of these things. And then I got my card, and, and my name's Brad. And when I got my card, it said, a wide river. Yeah, they're a little less inspiring, a little less like, wow, you know, is, that's a name I can stand on. Oh, yeah, I'm a wide river. Okay. And but what we're going to discover is that these are more than just, just names for God, but this is who Jesus is. And so the first name given to Jesus is Wonderful Counselor. Now, I think it's pretty fair for us, for most of us, for all of us to be able to say that we need a little help to make it through life. And in fact, if you're here and you would say, I don't need any help, I've got this, you probably need more help than the rest of us. That, that we need help in order to, to make it through, we need help, especially if we want to live our lives in a way that honors God. We're going to need more help for that because not only are we, we, we having to figure it out, but we're also having to fight against the part of us that doesn't want to do that. And so as we need help living our lives, living our lives for God, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 tells us that Jesus is our wonderful counselor. And what I want to do is I want to go actually back to the Hebrew language for all of these names to show you exactly what it is that they mean so that we can know exactly what these things mean. And so for Wonderful Counselor, the first word is a word called, pronounced roughly Pele. And what it means is to wonder or marvel at something extraordinary or hard to understand. And the second word is not pronounced ya'atz. Um, if you want to pronounce it properly, you really got to get some phlegm going. But I, I'm not Jewish, and so I cannot do it. Um, but it, what it means is to advise, consult, give counsel, devise, or plan. And so when we put these, these two definitions of, of, of this name together, what we see is that Jesus was born with this supernatural capacity 
to offer the most marvelous counsel and advice we'll ever know. And so while this may be difficult for us to grasp because it's profoundly not true of you and it's profoundly not true of me, what this means is that there's nothing that Jesus can't understand. That there's no concept, idea, or knowledge that's beyond him or above him that he simply just, he won't know the answer to the question. And so when we think about areas in our lives, as you look at your life and you think about your life and you reflect and you say, uh, there are some areas in my life that I could really use some help. Jesus being our wonderful counselor means that we're not left to figure it out on our own. We're not left to somehow just twist in the wind and take our best guess and we'll see what happens. But the truth is that Jesus is not just the wonderful counselor. The truth is that Jesus is your wonderful counselor. That he cares about you, that he, he indwells himself in you, and he cares for you. And so it's not that he's just this generic counselor. He's our counselor. The next thing that God says through Isaiah is that Jesus is our mighty God. Just like how in life there's times when we don't know what to do, sometimes in life we're unable to do what we think we should do. We're unable to handle the situations in front of us. And the good news that this tells us is that Jesus as our mighty God means that, that there's somebody stronger and more powerful for us to lean on, stronger and more powerful than anything we face. The Hebrew language defines it like this. The first word is gabor, and it means strong, a mighty, a strong man, a brave man, a mighty man. And the second word is el, which means the one true God, Jehovah. Combining these two definitions gives us exactly what the name means. Mighty God. Jesus is, is the one true God and because of that, he possesses all the might and power and strength. His might is unparalleled. It's unmatched and it's unequaled. As Jesus walked the earth, we, we saw his power displayed in, in lots of ways. We saw his power over sickness as he healed the sick. We saw his powers over demons as he cast them out. We saw his power over nature as he said to storms and waves, be still. And they did. And we saw his power over death. As he, he died and was resurrected. And in that moment, we, we see Christ's ultimate power because he was able to lay down and or lay aside all that he was, this might. He was able to lay down his perfect, all-powerful strength for you and for me to save us. Now, what that means is that that power is available for you and for me as we live our lives. The Bible will say that, that through the power of God, you can, you can endure all things. The Apostle Paul will write this saying, For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That through his strength, you can do whatever it is that you've been called to do. And in fact, Paul will say later on that, that God told him that it's even in his weakness 
that God's power is shown, that his weakness isn't a fault, and it's not a reason that God can't use him, but his weakness is why he can, when he will say that God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power, God's power, is made perfect in our weakness. And then we can also see that this mighty God who can do so much is able to do more than we can ask or imagine when the Bible will say, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Now, I don't know about you, but my imagine can run pretty big. I I can imagine a lot of things. I can let my imagination run wild. But the Bible tells us that Whatever we can imagine, it's completely short of what God can do. Your wildest dreams and imaginations, because God is a mighty God, whatever we can dream, God can do more. The third thing that we're told about Jesus, and maybe the most challenging for for us, maybe the most challenging for you, is that he is our everlasting father. And why this can be challenging is because the word father can evoke so many different emotions for us. Maybe, maybe you smile when you hear the word because it brings up wonderful memories of your own father. Or, or perhaps your heart feels torn because you, you wish your father was here today and he's not anymore. Or perhaps it brings up all kinds of conflicting emotions and you don't know exactly how to put your finger on it because the the relationship that you had with your father wasn't what you wanted it to be. Wasn't what you hoped it would be. But whatever the word father may make you feel, know tonight that our heavenly father, your heavenly father, cares deeply for you, and is always near. So when we look at the words everlasting father, the, the, the Hebrew words are olam, which means forever, continuing future, of continuous existence. And ab, meaning father, God is father, ruler or chief. And so when we combine these two words together, the first thing we see and we understand is that God is eternally existent. He is our everlasting Father. That means he he existed before time and nothing caused him to be. He didn't need the existence. He wasn't created and doesn't need help to stay around. It also tells us that, that he sufficiently sets the bar for any earthly father to strive for. And he cares for us in a tender fatherly way. It may be hard for us to understand the goodness of our everlasting Father because of our earthly experiences. And one of the greatest challenges that we can face as people is to truly understand God as our Father with sometimes the baggage that comes along with these words. But whether we had an engaged, caring, dependable Father or a distant, neglectful, and mean one, the truth is that Jesus is the father we all wish we'd had. And the good news is that he came to earth to take away that brokenness, 
The good news is that he take, came to earth to take away that pain, to take away those feelings, to, to remove the pain that could have been caused in your life by your father. Your everlasting heavenly father came to make and set that right. And lastly, Isaiah tells us that he's our prince of peace. It doesn't matter where we live it doesn't matter what we believe. It doesn't matter where we're from. It doesn't matter where we find ourselves in life. What we all long for, what we all want out of life, in life, in every moment of life, is peace. Because our souls long for it. And we can attempt to find peace in so many different ways. Through people. Through, through politics and through leaders, through finances, through comfort, through, through different substances that we can, we can use. But no matter how hard we try, we won't find true, long-lasting, eternal peace until we meet the source of it. And in Isaiah chapter 6, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And so when we look at the words, the first word is Sar, and it means prince, ruler, leader, official, captain. And the second word is Shalom. And Shalom means completeness, soundness, welfare, peace, safety, with God in covenant relationship. And, and so when you put these two words together, you have a leader who provides complete Soundness, peace, and safety. With one name, he's instantly better than any different human ruler we've ever seen on earth. When he came, he brought God's peace. And, and the promise that we have with Jesus being our Prince of Peace is that Jesus invites us into his peace no matter what's looming. He, he gives us peace during the trials of life and encourages us, us not to be troubled. In John 14, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He tells us that whatever you're facing, you don't need to be troubled. You don't need to be afraid because of what life is bringing your way. Now, he can tell us that. But as people, that can be really hard to do. I can say to you, don't worry, don't be afraid. You know, God said that. But in our lives, we worry. And we become afraid. But the good news is that if we start to worry and we become afraid, God doesn't hold us as somehow breaking his command. He doesn't say, you sinful fool, why are you afraid? But instead, he gives us more promises. He tells us that his peace can calm us and guard us even beyond what our minds can fathom. He will say, it will say that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which makes no sense that this peace that's available to you and to me, as we walk through and live out our lives, we can have peace in a way that other people will look at and just go, you shouldn't have peace right now, but yet you do. But even more than the peace that comes in the midst of the trials of life, even more than the peace that comes because of fear and worry, the peace that Jesus brings has an even more significant meaning. Because he is the only way we can have peace 
with God. See, because of our sin, because of our falling short, we have been separated from God. And we can't get back to him on our own. No matter how hard we try, no matter how many righteous things we try to do to say, God, I'm sorry, let me make it up to you. We just, just discovered that's, that's not how it works and we can't get back to him. But yet, when we say yes to Jesus and believe that he died and rose again, we're invited into a right relationship with him. And, and that's the greatest peace that he can give to us because it's the peace that changes everything. Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family, and that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca. Or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on contact us from the main menu. Or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on our pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go. Let us adore Him. Come, let us adore.